Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Because he loved me, everything is different, everything has changed, because the Lord Jesus Christ loved me enough to die on a cross to save me from my sins, and I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming and singing that uh, song for us. I really do appreciate that. Um, We just read just a moment ago the account of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's uh, crucifixion, but it is Easter after all, so we need to read the rest of the story. I'm going to now turn to the Gospel of Matthew. I like Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to read the account that Matthew gives us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I begin again in Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to begin in verse 1, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. So if you have a copy of your Bible, God's Word, there with you. Uh, again, I'll be reading from the King James Version, and I would like to read that with you. Won't you follow along if you're able to at home? Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning of the, at the end of the Sabbath, at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall shall ye see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given, given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the world. Amen. Lord, thank you for that powerful resurrection, that, 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 that death knell for death. Death is now dead. Death is now defeated. Death is now overcome because our Lord came out of the grave. We know that he is now alive, that he is seated by your right hand, Father, that he is in control of everything, that he is over all of the world, and we will one day see him come back to, to, be, to get us, to bring us to heaven. Lord, we look forward to that day. But I want to say thank you for the victory of the, of the cross over sin and the victory of the grave over death. Please, Lord, help us to enjoy that, to worship you, to draw our hearts closer to you because of this truth. Help me as I speak for just a few moments, Lord, to share with you these people the truth of this story, to, to seal in their hearts your Holy Spirit, to seal in their hearts uh, the truth that is being pro uh, proclaimed to them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a song that goes, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth living just because he lives. Today, for just a few moments before we part ways, I want to remind you, show you, maybe for some of you, for the first time, tell you that because Jesus Christ is alive, everything, and I mean everything, is different and changed. It starts, as I did this morning with the reading, it starts for the fact that Jesus died for your sins. You see, sin, doing anything that is against God's perfect plan, God's perfect law, things that are sin, and you may say, well, Matthew, what in the world is a sin? And I think we could have a little bit of a debate about that, but I will tell you that 90%, 99% of what is sin, we all kind of know what it is. We know what's wrong, we know what's right. And things that are wrong, that we know that are wrong, that are against a holy and righteous God, those things do irreparable damage to us. In fact, not just irreparable damage, it's actually infinite damage. Because it's infinite damage to us against the infinite image of God that has been placed in us. This body, this, this soul, everything about us is completely ruined because of sin. Sin disrupted our relationship with God. Do you know that we were actually created? We were actually made in order to be able to walk with the Lord, to talk with Him, to spend time with Him. We were made to be in relationship with the infinite God of the universe. But sin broke all of that. And the only hope against sin, the only way to, 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 to cover that over, to, to wash it away, the Bible tells us that it required a payment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says that it is without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. To kind of put that in terms that we might plainly understand in today's English, you need to understand that the sin was so bad that somebody had to die. That wasn't just something that's a New Testament idea either. The book of Hebrews certainly says that, but that is ground in the book of Leviticus, chapter 17, where in Leviticus we understand that there were offerings made by the, by the Jews. There were offerings made in accordance to God's plan to show, to share, to, to shed this blood, to show to God that they were, they were sorry for these sins and they wanted those sins atoned for. 
that all the sins required that somebody had to die. And John 3.16 tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus loved us enough to be the one that would die for us. That's why he came. If you actually go over into 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, it actually tells us that this is what love looks like. He says, herein is love. This is how we know what love actually looks like. How do we know that? Not by some romantic movie, not even by some love story that somebody has lived out, but instead by looking at the perfect, ultimate love story of Jesus Christ coming to this earth to give his life in payment for our sins. The most amazing thing about what Jesus did on the cross, though, is it actually worked in John chapter 9 and verse 30, uh, 19 and verse 30, excuse me, where I just read this morning, Jesus said one of his last words on the phrases on the cross, he says, it is finished. He paid for it completely. He satisfied the, the, the requirements of the Father. Isaiah 53 verse 10 tells us, the innocent was given for the guilty. My infinite sin was paid for by the infinite, most valuable blood of Jesus Christ, and it provided for me infinite forgiveness. I now have a way to God. Jesus' death really matters. It's not just spiritual, although it does provide us some spiritual benefits. It's not just figurative, although it does give us some wonderful lessons. But there was a very real death provided by a very real God who paid for some very real sins. And there are some very real consequences because of that. All of my guilt, my shame, my hopelessness, that feeling of being unloved, that is now gone because Jesus died for my sins. But like I said, that's not the whole story. That alone is amazing, but he's not done yet. As the infomercials say, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Jesus died for your sins, but Jesus rose from the dead. You know, that, that death that he died, it was the death of a criminal. Hanging on a cross was not something that was glamorous by any means. It was the kind of thing that you do to the, the worst, uh, as we might refer to them as the scum of society. That's what you would do to the worst of the worst. Because he was in that position, and of course we know our, our Lord walked this earth and he was never a rich man, he was very poor, he did not have very many worldly possessions because he had a different mission in mind, and because of that, and he's now dying a criminal's death, he was buried, but he was buried by his friends, he did have a small group of friends, he was buried by his friends in a borrowed grave. One of those friends sacrificed to give him a place to lay his head. Even in death, he didn't have a place to lay his head. And his tomb, not, not, in, not content to leave well enough alone, his tomb is treated as if he was truly an enemy of the state. There are guards posted outside of that, as if someone is going to come in and snatch his body, as if someone is going to come in and do something additional. He's dead. What else is he going to do? Well, <laughs> he does something else. Because this is not the end for Jesus Christ. This is not the end at all. In fact, there's a reason I'm standing here on a Sunday morning, at all a Sunday morning, but on a Sunday morning that we refer to as Easter, 
The reason I'm standing here is because after three days and nights in that tomb, he came out, he is alive, he is alive, he is alive. This is a historical fact that he is alive. There were eyewitnesses to this. By the way, there is a number of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is as many witnesses to just about any other fact that you might be taught in school about our history as a nation, about the history of the world. It's as much of a fact as any other thing. There is a historical fact that our Savior is alive. So I can say, Jesus is risen. Yes, he's alive. But it is just the same, let's be honest about it, it's also a pretty unbelievable tale. If you don't believe that Jesus is alive, congratulations, you're called normal. You're called regular folk. You're called normal. In fact, if you were back to the passage I just read out of John in, uh, verse, um, in verse 17 out of chapter 28, uh, excuse me, I said John, Matthew chapter 28 verse 17 if you were to look at that verse, you can even see that some of his own disciples, people that followed him, people that loved him, people that cared for him, people that believed him in so many ways are looking at him and even they doubted. So if you don't believe, like I said, congratulations, you're normal. However, if you do believe that Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross his blood ran down, not just human blood, certainly there was actual blood that flowed, but that blood was what was necessary to pay for your sins, and that, three, that he was buried into a tomb, and three days later, by his own power, he got out of that tomb, then you're a Christian. You are saved. You have a home in heaven. Jesus is your Savior. Now, I want to be clear, you can't have it both ways. I'm a Christian, but I don't know about that resurrection stuff. You need to understand that this thing I'm talking about right now is at the heart of what Christianity is. It is not the rituals. It is not coming to an assembly. We can't do that right now. Thank the Lord it's not about being gathered together that saves me. But it's not the rituals. It's not the coming together. It's not wearing a certain clothing. It's not None of those things are what make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian? What makes you different between having a home in heaven versus having an eternity in hell? The difference be, comes down to that you believe that Jesus died on a cross and that he came back out of that grave three days later. And if that's true, and hallelujah, it's true. If that's true, it truly changes everything. Not only am I saved, not only do I have a home in heaven, but every bit of the bible is true if that's true the rest of it's true that means that jesus is who he says he is that means he is worthy of us obeying him that means he is worthy of us following him if jesus truly did what i just read in matthew chapter 28 he is god and he paid for my sins and he is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And I must simply believe in him. You can actually see this transformation, this change in everything in his early followers. You had men and women who were meek and ignored. People who, some of them, like Peter, he didn't even want to be associated with Jesus at his trial. He's sneaking around. People are saying, you're one of his. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not. 
So he's so meek and mild and so, so weak in that moment. He doesn't even know that he believes all the stuff Jesus has been teaching. But when he sees the resurrected Christ, he gets the charge from the resurrection, resurrected Christ, as we just read in chapter 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. Within a couple of months, we see Peter in Acts chapter 2 standing up in front of thousands of people boldly proclaiming the story of Jesus Christ, boldly living out the life that Jesus has commanded him to live in spite of the cost, knowing full well, and many of his early followers did, knowing full well it would cost him his life. The reason that we know that it changes everything is because we've seen it in our own lives. You can talk to many Christians who have the testimony of Jesus Christ that they followed him, and it makes a, all the world a difference. Now, this story, as I've told you, it's not over yet. It's still not over. I think sometimes we think about Jesus, we have sort of, we, it's almost like a movie. We, we get him out of the grave, and we just sort of seeing there standing outside of the tomb, and it's all over with. It's done. No, 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 no. After Jesus resurrects from the grave, he leaves us this promise. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he says that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, so he's got all the power in the universe. Skip down to verse 20. He says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He leaves us the promise that he is never going to leave us. He has all the power in the world, and he is still with us. And in fact, the Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 1 that after he had done this, after he, had pur he by himself had purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and unto the Son... He saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Here we have Jesus ruling and reigning in our hearts, but ruling and reigning in heaven as we speak. Now one day he's going to come back for us. He told us in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be there also. He is coming back for us, but he rules the universe with power. There's a vision of Jesus that's in Revelation chapter 19. It's one of my favorite passages that just describes who Jesus really is. He is, as the, as the book of the Revelation means, it's actually revealing who Jesus really is, and, and it gives us this most perfect picture of him. And John talks about it this way in John, uh, Revelation 19. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, he was the meek man from Galilee. He was. So meek and mild that, as he talks about it, he wouldn't even put out the burning flax. He wouldn't even break or bend a reed. He was, he was so mild, absolutely. He was. But he died on a cross, was buried, and three days later came back to life, and now sits with all power and rules and reigns over the entire universe my lord my jesus died on the cross rose from the dead 
and he rules forever. Now, for the last few weeks, some of you that are visiting with us, I want to say thank you for doing so. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to sign on here and watch this. Hopefully this has been a blessing to you. But for those of McConnell Road Baptist Church who've been meeting uh, for the last several weeks and we've been preaching out of the Bible on all of the resurrections, there has been ten of them. We're talking about the tenth of the ten. But each one of those nine other resurrections in Scripture, every one of them points to this resurrection. You've got the widow at Zarephath. Here's a woman who was not really part of Israel. She's an outcast, essentially, spiritually at least. But Jesus came looking for us, just like Elijah came looking for her. There's the widow woman, or excuse me, the woman of Shunem, the Shunammite woman. She was noted by her strong faith. She knew, she said, it is well. She knew it was going to happen. He, Jesus, is the object of our faith. He is the one in which we can put our faith. He's the one in which our faith can be strong because he always delivers. There was that unusual circumstance of Elijah's bones in the grave and his bones touch a dead man's body and that dead man comes back to life. Jesus is the ever-living one. There's no bones in Jerusalem waiting on us. We don't have to go find his bones and worship his bones. He is alive. But if we can simply, as he says in the, in the Gospels, touch the hem of his garments, we can be made alive. There's the widow of Nain who was grieving after her only son had died. Jesus, she meets Jesus there, and he gives her hope, and he gives her help. That's what Jesus does. He gives us hope. He gives us help. There was Jairus' daughter, there was a, that whole situation was just messed up. But what Jesus does is he comes in and he fixes what's broken. Lazarus, he was a friend of Jesus and he died. And Jesus stands at his tomb and is literally, the God of the universe is weeping as he's looking at his dead friend. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he feels the loss and the hurt and the pain in your life. There's the story of this Jerusalem saint that the foot of the cross after the after the at the end of the the uh the end of the crucifixion and then right as the resurrection is happening that whole incident where there are dead saints who come back alive this is what the scripture tells us in matthew they come back to life you know that jesus gives us new life he get, lets us start over he gives us that fresh opportunity that second chance and tabitha in the book of acts there's some amazing miracles that happen there, and Jesus is the source of every one of those miracles. Last week we talked about poor old Eutychus fell out the window at church. But it was a foundation because Jesus is the foundation of our fellowship. What I want you to understand, I want you to see, is that because he lives, we need to worship this Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our Savior from eternal damnation. He is our Savior from disappointment. He is our Savior from the damage of our sin. He is our Savior from all of the degradation of this world. He is arise. He is alive. He is risen. And it changes everything. Won't you worship Him? Won't you worship Him? Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.